You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. Evening people, how are you doing? Welcome to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, uh, which goes out every Tuesday, 8 o'clock on the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel. If you are listening to the podcast, um, then this is recorded live, like I've just said. Um, and if you like the idea of joining us live, so you can speak and ask questions to our guests live, then just head along to the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel every Tuesday at 8 o'clock. And we've done that for 128 weeks in a row. Um, and we're now on week 129. Um, you should really try and join us live if you can, if it suits your time region. For example, now um, on YouTube Live, I'm sitting here in a wonderful cascade of snow to set the season to be jolly. And it's looking beautiful. So even if you listen to the podcast now, you think, you know what, I'd like to hear these people and see what they look like. Then you can go over to YouTube now and um, you can see the video. Or you can go along to the uh, the sta.co.uk and we have the video up on there with all the show notes and everything. And of course, you can listen to any podcast app, including Spotify. So where are we? It's December and we're, I've got to switch off the snow now because it's just doing my brain in already. Can't handle that. There we are. It was beautiful. It lasted. So um, we are having a focus in December on education. And um, to kick things off last week, um, we had the wonderful, wonderful Tristan Attenborough um, in the studio. Uh, talking to us about a presentation he did at Therapy Expo um, a few weeks ago, uh, which was called, in my experience, the world is more or less flat. It was an amazing presentation. I couldn't be there. I was in a different theatre, but uh, the feedback was uh, really interesting for it. Um, Basically, he was kind of showing through his knowledge and experience of studying psychology that if we as therapists understand a little bit about cognitive biases, and um, kind of logical fallacies, then actually we can start becoming better therapists. Now, if those two words feel like they just went straight over your head, then join the kind of population. It's not something you would have come across in your own studies. But to start the education month off, it's something which would be really interesting to have a look at. Um, So if you fancy listening to that and brought you in a really simple, lovely making the complex, easy to understand way, then uh, have a look at episode 128 either on your podcast app or go along to YouTube or the sta.co.uk. And Tristan will bear all for you in a wonderful way. Um, Joining us in the live lounge today, just saying hello to people who come in. If you do join us live, then I can bring your greetings and your logo up. Look at that, Glenn Murphy's that little collection of films there looking very nice glenn how are you doing thanks for joining us yeah your logo appears on the screen which is kind of a good networking thing as well if you want to get your brand and logo out there um thanks for joining us glenn also nikki mansfield's in here here we go um dialect um, excuse me for this a up everyone i've missed you back in the 21st century now all wi-fi'd up and ready for some top quality midweek learning good to see you nikki thanks for joining us and of course becky carroll is in here as well i'm looking forward to tonight's episode thanks becky and other people are still coming in so if you want to join us it's a great way of getting to know the sta hanging out with some regional reps and other soft tissue therapists like i say just come along to the sports therapy association youtube channel eight o'clock on a tuesday Right. So um, tonight's show, we are bringing you, well, this week and next week, we're going to bring you a, 
and the directors of a couple of um, education providers who Pete regulators of the show will know um, Mike Grice very well as director of movement therapy education. Quite a lot of you have joined us for the episodes. Um, we'll probably have done at some point one of the many courses which Mike uh, and his company movement therapy education provide. Um, his courses are designed, quote, to bridge the gap between the fitness industry slash sports massaging clinicians um, and they have a mission statement to teach the skills that help therapists who have not been to university to develop their clinical, critical thinking and research skills to ensure they can communicate effectively with those working in allied healthcare. Wow. Big words, powerful words. But does he deliver? Well, to help Mike answer that question, we're going to be joined by three of his um, either past students or current students. Um, and we're going to do the same week, same thing next week with another education provider who a lot of you are familiar with, the school, the ST school. Anna Maria Mazzieri and her crew um, based in Exeter, whereas Mike's in Birmingham. So we're kind of working our way around the country and um, they'll be joining us to do the same thing. Anna Maria will be here with some of her current and past students to talk about how she sees the provision of education to, de to, to develop a modern therapist is going to survive in today's industry. So that is what we're going to do. And we're also going to be joined by Gary Benson, founder of the STA, who's going to be quizzing Mike as well. So I think with that said, I'll just say one more hello to people coming in the land. We got Marco Mendonca. I think that's the pronunciation. Thanks for joining us, Marco. Um, is that Marco Mendonca? I don't know. You'd have to let me know. But thanks for joining us, Marco. Good to see you. Right. That's and done. I'm going to bring up, first of all, uh, Mike Grice and Gary Benson, founder of the STA. Let's bring them up. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Put that evidence back tissue therapy there's mike how you doing mike hey i'm good thanks matt how are you very well mate good to you good to have you here it's been a while um yeah. and there's gary yeah, it has been hey gary hi matt hi mike i say hey, it's been a while because uh yeah mike you uh, you're looking you're looking a bit yellow but i think that's just your camera I, yeah yeah <laughs> I've, been try, I've been trying to change or is the, that part uh, of the illness because you you missed therapy expert didn't you i've this got a like a jaundice thing i'm not having a dig at somebody with her that'd be terribly bad <laughs> So I should have mentioned it. Never mention appearance anymore. It's so 2022. Um, no, looking really well, mate. Uh, but yeah, you better now because you weren't at Therapy Expert, were you? Yeah, I, oh, I had man flu. Oh, so mate, People uh, were telling us about it. They said you were at death door. The worst, the worst kind of flu. Yeah, yeah. No, um, a lot of people were quite concerned for you. They, they really made me feel quite panicky. So saying, mate, you haven't seen him. He looked terrible. He looked like a ghost. It was like they really painted Yeah, that. yeah. I, I did because we had a meeting before Therapy Expo um, because we're, we're launching a new course and uh, meeting the team. And I felt just terrible. <laughs> and, uh, I just I needed to I needed to show my face, but I went in with a mask on. So I was like, I don't want you you guys to get ill wow and, like uh, yay like a bit of kanye thing it's spreading yeah. <laughs> hopefully not delivering the same sort of messages because that would have been appropriate <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um it was Surely interesting because there was people feeling sorry for you but then you had little people not little people that's terrible that was a freudian slip you had chris kitson who was <laughs> running around going oh mike's really ill i'm so worried about him but jesus he landed me in it because i know yeah you'd i a lot hadn't you? stitched chris up a good one yeah yeah <laughs> But um, yeah, but it's well, we'll talk about it in a sec because you did have quite a lot of um, uh, involvement in setting things up for Therapy Expo this year. And we can get into yeah. that in a second, which still went ahead. Um, I'm yeah. going to ask you shortly if, if you got any good feedback from that. But before we do that, welcome, Gary. How are you doing? Yeah, great. Thanks, Matt. Really well. Um, you, you obviously were at Therapy Expo. 
um you were aware <laughs> you were aware as well as some of mike's plans was i'm not sure if it's mike's plan or scarswick's plan remember that little text of gary where are you that was another bit of a surprise yeah well it? yeah i got i felt my phone vibrating in my pocket and it was mr scarsbrook and he said uh, how are you doing i said yeah very well thank you are you busy <laughs> no i'm just still here talking to members oh is there anywhere you should be i said well, i'm not sure he said you're on theater b stage 90 seconds ago <laughs> There was, yeah, there was a little bit of that going around Therapy Expo, but it all went smoothly and we've talked about it to great extent on previous episodes. So, um, yeah, you can catch up with that if you're interested to hear all about that. Um, so, yeah, Mike, I'm just keen to hear, have you had feedback yet from Therapy Expo about some of the things you tried to put in place? And if so... Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, Dan did a really good job um, because we, we were working with Rock Tape and um, Dan and I were going to do a presentation together on DNM, uh, which we talked about earlier in the year. So uh, he did a presentation on that with Al, um, Al Cunningham. So uh, that, that went down really well. And I was really gutted because the one that Chris covered for me um i had um yeah i was really looking forward to to doing that one and uh i had a specific plan of how i wanted it to go in my head but obviously that's really difficult to impart on someone when they've got <laughs> 12 hours notice so um yeah uh I, f- I felt really bad for chris but uh, he he looks really young and i think i've aged him so, uh... not anymore it's not, it's not a wednesday night <laughs> i think he growed a foot as well it was, it was interesting transformation yeah no he did really well he did as far as i heard he did really well Good. he couldn't have left it in the hands of a better person just to get on with it he's mr proactive chris kitson isn't yeah he? yeah exactly yeah who i think it, I it was bet... interesting interesting to see the nerves of those who you dropped in it mike in the the hours building up to the presentation see see, i I was trying to build them up and i was trying to say like yeah sometimes this is the best thing because you've just got to do it you've got no like weeks leading up to it where you're worried you you just got to do it and uh yeah that they did really well is this the foundation of most of your courses in education (laughs) dumping people in at the last minute and making them kind of just get in there and do it yeah Wicked. Um, I should point out quickly before I take him down, Tristan is actually going to be teaching for you or is currently He is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, what a great show that was last week. That that was brilliant. Um, It's really nice. It was so nice to spend time with him. He's he's such a good guy. He's a very humble guy. And um, yeah, uh, I know some people think that he comes across a certain way online. And um, when you see him face to face and you talk to him, he's so passionate about um doing good for for our industry and uh, and that really came across last week i thought he did a really good job yeah that's uh, and it's, it's very important i mean it's not that he seems to come across online like that he does come across online oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. um yeah. but that's one of the problems maybe we'll talk about later on with social media and stuff because it's that's part of education isn't it we can't get away from it it's always going to be there so maybe we can mm-hmm. chat about that later on but before we do that um we're gonna you, you've kindly put together some students past and present to bring up yeah we'll bring up now but just to give us a little introduction of who you've chosen and why you've chosen them yeah cool so we've got uh three um three guys that have um uh are various stages of um of the development of the diploma course so uh we've got jack uh who i think he started the course about four or five years ago and uh and it's completely developed since then um and uh but he jack's also been working at my clinic as well so uh we we um 
uh, took him on at the clinic as a, um, as a personal trainer at the time because he, he did PT work and he wanted to get into doing some of the therapy side. Uh, so um, he's the first one. And then uh, Jay, um, in fact, Gary introduced me to Jay at a therapy expo a few years ago. And, um, uh, and then Jay decided to do the diploma. Um, he then went on, he was able after the diploma to get onto the second year of a sports therapy degree and now he's doing his pre-reg masters in physio and um and julie who's brand new so she joined this year so she's got the latest um version of the of the diploma um so we've got the kind of evolution of it as as we've gone through um, fantastic okay that's great i can see what you've done there that'd be really interesting so that's what we're going to do we're going to bring these guys up now i'll bring them up in the order you said them so here's jack uh woolhouse yeah there you go hey jack how you doing Hi guys. There you go. So podcast listeners, you can't see this obviously at the moment. But we're doing this live so you can see. But that was Jack's hi. Just do it once more. Hi guys. <laughs> hi guys. There you go. That's Jack. Um who you can hopefully distinguish from Jay Mystery, who is gonna who I'm gonna bring up now. Hey Jay, how are you doing? Yeah, okay, you can see a distinction there. That's I'm not, fine. I'm not good. And hopefully you can tell the difference between Jay yeah. and Julie, who I shall bring up now. Hey, Julie. Hello. There we go. Fine. Thanks for joining us, guys. Really appreciate you giving up your time. Um, so, yeah, why not give us a quick kind of mics? You've been down there listening, but Mike has introduced you all. But I think it'd be nice to hear from you um, how you met Mike and, and, yeah, what you've done and what you're doing at the moment. Start with you, Jack, maybe. Yeah, so I, um, I got in contact with Mike through Dan. So me and Dan used to PT, uh, Daniel Williams, who Mike was referring to earlier. Um, we were personal training at the same gym together um and then uh mike kept raving about this guy in harborn that was uh teaching him loads of stuff about good sports therapy and um those sorts of things i think mike dan had about halfway through your diploma at the time mm-hmm. um and uh um yeah so I, I got in contact through mike through that because there was a um word on the grapevine that there was an snc um class instructor that was needed and I'm not too far um, living wise. So um, I came and shadowed for a few. Um, at the same time, me and Mike were talking about the diploma and signing up to it and whether it was something I wanted to explore, um, which I obviously did in the end. Um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, did the, it would have been, yeah, four or five years ago. Because, um, yeah, I've been here for four or five years and I pretty much started here at the same time as starting the diploma at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah feels like forever ago now it's interesting because we were i forget how long mike's been doing this and that's nothing that's like a quarter of your involvement in the health and fitness industry You've like 20 years doing this and you look so young and fresh-faced but that was five <laughs> six years ago when did you first put the diploma together mike when was the first um, course you ran? It, it the first uh iterations of it were uh, about 2015 okay. so about six yeah six seven years ago okay Fine, good. Yeah. Give me a little timeline. Okay, Jay, welcome. Jay, what's your story? Um, so I met Mike at Therapy Expo um, 2017. So it's through Gary Stan. So at the time, I was working at Leicester City Football Club with only 23s. So I was pretty much on the verge of leaving. So it's more like trying to find out like next steps, like career-wise. Like, so that's when, also when I left Leicester, like, I managed to get Mike's details. And then through that, I think that's how I like, and started the whole movement therapy journey 
So I started with the you... course, yeah, started with doing the courses first and then started doing some self-employed work at the clinic as well. So, yeah. And this is all in Harborn, Harborn, yeah? Yeah, Harborn, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Wow, so you're collecting people from around the country and bringing them all yeah. to Harborn. And... Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and now you're doing, what was it you're doing now? So basically, I'm doing the MSc Physiotherapy Pre-Registration course. I'm in my final year. But before that, I did sports therapy at UCB, which was through Mike. Mm-hmm. So it's but my, oh, yeah. because I've Where done the yeah. diploma stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we should point so out, shouldn't we? Mike's also yeah. teaching. Are you still lecturing at the university there, Mike? Um, I don't anymore, no. So I, I stopped that in 2018. Yeah, so oh. I was there for uh, six, seven years. I was, um, yeah, as a university lecturer at University College Birmingham. There we go. Right, last but not least, Julie. How did you meet this wonderful man? So... I actually qualified in sports massage level four back in 2008, so quite a long time ago now. And um, I into so I then went on and did some bolt-on courses like personal training. I did um, some taping, some needling, and then I saw the light in 2020 and joined the STA. And I met Mike last year at Therapy Expo, and. In between those times, I was listening to the sports therapy podcast and, you know, I'd heard Mike's name being dotted about. So I had a quick chat with him and he actually introduced me to some of his current students. And I always think that's a really, really, really great way to get to know the course is actually chatting to a current student. So I had a quick chat with them and um, and also had also did have a quick chat with Gary as well he was very neutral and just asked me what I wanted from the course why I wanted to do it and then yeah finally I made the decision in February to sign up and I've not looked back that's really nice I love the selection of people and experiences and past and presence we've got and futures that's really exciting um yeah so Actually, looking at that, Gary, you were, you were interested in when you heard about this progression we were having this evening. You had an interesting question, didn't you, for these three guys? Yeah, um, I'll just start by reinforcing a, a point that you made earlier about the evolution of Mike's course. And I think that's one of the benefits of not being you know, involved with a major awarding organisation with a strict stricter you know um schedule um mike is able to to change and develop the course um and and i think that's really good and it's good for the industry that we are not just here to to um challenge shall we say the the level three courses that are out there at the moment you know we're not going to change them and we can speak later about why that is um you know we shouldn't concern ourselves with that we should be delivering high quality training we should be putting our head above the parapet and, and changing things from positively rather than negatively yeah but the question that uh, you refer to matt was i think it's interesting you know that these these have all come from different backgrounds, but why did they feel the necessity after doing Mike's course to then go on and, and, and seek further training? You know, Jay's doing the MSc, Jack doing his S and C. So what, what was the decision behind that? Uh, I'm happy to jump in first. Um, okay. I, um, yeah, so, cause I originally was a PT before Mike's course. So I guess I always had that exercise bias, um, but then through Mike's course with it being quite, up to date um, with what was going on in the, you know, the literature and 
rehab and a lot of it being geared towards exercise therapy. So there was a lot of hands-on skills, which was, um, which was all new to me. But when it came to like the exercise stuff, seeing the connection between um, stuff that I've developed in my personal training work and then um, how I saw there being a good connection between exercise programming and rehabilitation, it helps working in the MDT. Uh, so, so the the clinic we have so um anything clinical wise i can we can refer so I, I didn't feel a need to pursue um a clinical degree myself but i think there's a real um uh like element of um programming on mike's course so we talk about load management and um exercise prescription and coaching cues and exercise um like strength training and power training and there's an introduction to snc module on it and um i guess that kind of resonated with me so i then saw at same as jay at university college birmingham where mike used to work um with the skills i developed from the diploma then was able to go on to the, the strength and conditioning degree very interesting and um jay your decision yeah so basically like, i started undergrad physio what nearly 10 12 years ago so I like dropped out for various reasons. So, but I think back then I don't think I was the right frame, like right time to do it. But I think when you do like Mike's education courses, kind of like helps make sense, and then you feel kind of better prepared for when you do undergraduate education. Because like I didn't have to read the paper before, but you do it through Mike's course, it kind of makes things so much e- easier, and like academic writing as well. So for me, like those like kind of skills like help prepare you for what's to come so yeah do you find mike it's quite a common do you expect it or there's a progression after doing your course and suddenly understanding research papers opening up to all different ideas is it does it make people start getting itchy fingers thinking oh i can do this now i should go on to do this and that or um sometimes <laughs> sometimes the research methods module kills them <laughs> so uh um i i think we um i that's one of the that's one of the ways where the course has evolved because when jack first started we didn't we talked about research a lot we talked about sensitivity specificity validity reliability um and there were elements of the assessment process when we were looking at things like uh clinical testing where we were looking at the validity of the tests and the reliability of the tests but there was nothing concrete when when Jack or Jay did the course in terms of um, a research methods module, and that uh, and then we were um, and then some of the uh, worksheets that were being handed in in the phase two part of the course um, they were of a good standard. But then I was thinking, well, if I want if I need to prepare people for uni, if that's where they want to go, then um, we need to teach people how to um find literature how to um cite literature and um and so we put a research methods module in as one of the first courses um so it's i've toyed with the idea of moving it in the course moving it somewhere else because it is it's it's very few people's favorite topic (laughs) Um, but I think it's one of those where once you've done it and you like, and then the kind of penny drops and then when they come to do all of the rest of the work on the diploma, um, they're able to do a proper bibliography and in-text citations and do a literature review and a literature search. They know where to find the 
um, papers. They know how to search. So it makes their life a lot easier as they go through the course then. So, um, uh, so sometimes people love that and then they want to go and do a degree. Sometimes they, they don't like it at all and they're glad the module's over. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> and you're there to support them with their decision. And because that's an important thing about education, isn't it? I think you're already kind of showing that what people do with these courses is not always going to be the same. You might yeah. not even, you don't even know when you started halfway through, you don't know, but later on it develops along with your own desires and goals and where you live and everything. No, definitely. Um, and I think as, as Jack said, you know, um, part of his decision to do SNC was our introduction to SNC module. And um, what I've done is put, um, uh, it's basically the sports therapy degree that we used to deliver mixed in with a bit of osteopathy from where my background and then mixed in with a bit of physio um, from the kind of orthopedic side and that well the MSK side of physio and uh, and taking all the best bits and kind of merging them all together so that you you understand what a clinician would do if they had this patient that you've got so you then know how to prepare that person if you needed to refer so that you, you understand the processes better that 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 was the i the idea really and that's where the bridging of the gap thing comes in so we're we we, we are trying to um upskill soft tissue therapists and fitness professionals so that they can communicate with allied health that that's that's the idea with the course gary jump in whenever you want mate because i've got i'm already thinking of questions as they're talking so you won't get a chance unless i stop yeah, I actually think the research method module was absolutely crucial. Um, mm. I didn't have a clue. I've not been to university. I didn't know how to research papers. And actually, I learned so much from that. I learned how to reference. I don't even know how to reference from this. Um, so, yeah, for me, it was really, really crucial. It was hard going because I knew nothing, absolutely nothing. It was so hard going, but I'm so pleased it was in the course do you think a lot of it depends it's kind of a leading question but is it depends on the delivery i mean some subjects might be less popular on paper but it's the way they're delivered at the end of the day so you could have the best syllabi in the world but unless the person delivering it manages to bend and twist it according to who's in front mm. of them it, it's not did you find basically i'm saying did you like your teacher do you like your teacher <laughs> bearing in mind of that uh, you're probably listening yeah. <laughs> You know, it is quite, a, as Mike has admitted, a dry subject. But, yeah, I'm still, like I say, I needed to do it for my learning experience and to um, continue to complete this course. It was a necessity. So, you know, I look back now and I think, oh, yeah, I'm really pleased I've done it. And there's certain things on it that I'm not going to remember, but I've always got the resources that I can actually look back if I need to check anything. So that's the great thing with Mike's diploma as well. It's on a platform a platform called Thinkific and you can just keep looking back. So, you know, in maybe three years time, I think, oh yeah, I can't quite remember that. So actually I've still got the ability to look back and, mm -hmm. and check. Brilliant. Where does, Mike, where does the research methods fit? If we look at your diploma as being the equivalent of a level three, four, and then five, Mm -hmm. where, where do you deliver that at which point so we we've changed things slightly so um previously uh and this is from experience that learners have had so 
previously we, we would say, look, we'll, we'll take you from level three all the way through and, um, and teach you the whole, the whole lot. We've changed that now because the jump from nothing to the first phase was too big a jump. Um, some people cope with it really well. Some people really didn't. And um, so that was one of the reasons we developed the level three course. So now we have an avenue for those people to go through and that has no research methods in. So um, we, we've got um, we've now got a pathway from zero. So. Um, yeah, literally, you want to change your career, so you can do you do your level three first, either with us or with someone else. It doesn't really matter. And then uh, once you've got that un under your belt, then you can come in and literally, is research methods is the first module, because the first assessment that they have, or the first the first phase is case history taking and an introduction to um, um, pain neuroscience education. So we need them to do some worksheets and a poster presentation that they need to find decent resources for. And they, um, people before the research methods module came in were just um, using um, uh, website information to get information from. And, and some of the websites were great, but it, uh, the quality of the in, uh, of resources were, um, were not, where I wanted them to be. So that, that's why we put the research methods in there. So they knew the, um, about the hierarchy of evidence and, um, and, and, and how to find that, that information. So it's, it's, early, it's early days. It's, it's, um, it's in that, it literally is the first module. Right. I, th I think it would be useful if we, if we do a comparison of, of, of level three courses across the country. And, and if you, if you think the majority of level three courses are delivered in further education, the government introduced a policy several years ago that people wouldn't be able to leave school at 16. They had to stay in education until they were at least 18. In some cases, that means that somebody's 19 when they leave education. Now, going over from school to further education, there is a requirement to deliver a level three course, whether that be the PT, you know, a gym instructor level two, followed by a, a level three PT course, or whether that be a BTEC diploma in sports performance and excellence, or whether that be a level three sports massage. So we've got, in essence, a, a, massly, a mass produced qualification delivered in the most part, and I'm speaking from experience of working in further education, to cohorts of individuals who are pressed men. They don't really want to be there. They've just been told they have to stay in education. And, and if you understand that education is commercially driven now, and next year's funding is based on this year's results and retention. So it's in the interest of everybody at the college to make sure that people pass the course. And, and, it, and in that way, I think that the, the standard has slipped. And I think that um, the level three as is delivered um, it's got an inbuilt safety net because I know that 95% of people who, who do this, uh, you know, between the ages of 16 and 19 won't work in the industry. Mm -hmm. But I, I think it, it does need updating. But it's, you know, what we can't do, and this is what I like about Mike's course and Anna Maria's course and, and, and some others around the UK, is that they're pitching themselves and saying, look, you know, we're not going to bother ourselves with what's happening in, in further education delivered to a marketplace that doesn't interest us. What we're interested in is, you know, producing competent clinicians mm -hmm. uh, and, and designing a course that 
that delivers that, I think, is the way that the industry has to go. Mm-hmm. The question has just occurred to me, Mike. My, I, I've taught level three and level four in further education, and I've also taught in private schools at the same time. Yeah. And But one of the main reasons that I found certain students will go with the further education institution is because they get funding from the government. Yeah. And they get the course paid for. Whereas if they went to a private one, they're paying not just paying, but they're paying like maybe a couple of grand for the same course. Yeah. Is that always going to be the case? Are you able to entertain funding for students or if they've got to go through a further yeah, education? Yeah. Do you know what? It's, it's, um, it's been something again that I've kind of toyed with. Um, but I've taught in FE as well. And, um, uh, the, uh, try and word it the right way the the um motivation for those students are uh, um on the whole not everybody that they're, they're, they're very different um to the guys that we get on the course um and i think it is because they they do get the, the uh, quite often they get the places funded I, i've i've toyed with the idea of going down that route and going through an award and organization and then going through all that but then I thought about it and actually they're not the right people for this course. Um, the, the, on the whole, again, you know, that's a very generic um, statement to make, but on the whole and, and from the experience that I've had before, um, I think if you, uh, we usually get more mature learners. Um, we get people who maybe want to change career um, or, um, uh, or, or yeah, start start a new career or, or enhance what they've already done. So it's um, we, we we're targeting a different group, I think. Um, so that that's one of the reasons why I've kind of backed off from it. I, th- I think it would be a lot of uh, I think it'd be a lot more hassle than I actually than I than I need, and I, I would need a, a a whole admin team to administrate all of the um, uh, all of that funding um, kind of side of things, and I, I, it's not something I really want to get involved in. Um, mm. Uh, yeah. I just wonder whether it's. Cause, I mean, I've, taught, I've had adults on the on the funded further education courses, particularly doing level fours. Mm-hmm. People have been around maybe sometimes for like 10, 11 years doing massage, mm-hmm. and now they're interested suddenly a stage in their life they want to start working more with injuries and stuff. So they've been told they need to do level four. I wonder. I, I've no idea. I don't know whether Gary knows this, but I wonder what percentage of the people working in the industry did follow a further education route funded as opposed to going through private. Because mm-hmm. it is an expensive. I don't want to start criticizing your course, but there's a massive difference, isn't there? It's oh yeah, 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 d- definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wonder whether our industry, the problems in our industry in terms of content, is perpetuated by what further education colleges are putting out, which is really low. It's they're just going to follow the syllabus. They just want people to pass. That's what Gary's already said, mm-hmm. you know. And even if you're struggling, they'll find a way for you to pass. In a lot of cases. Um, I wonder whether that's one of the biggest stumbling blocks we've got in terms of the quality or our reputation, because they're coming out and calling themselves, you know, sports massage therapists. They've got the certificate, but yeah. what they're learning on these courses is pretty awful, unless they had me or someone else as a teacher who kind of bends the syllabi a little bit and tells them, actually, you know what? Yeah. What do you think, Gary? Is it Should we just avoid further education, let them do their thing? That was kind of the message I was getting from you and, and try and give them what? that option or... I think further education is particularly suited to 16 to 19 year olds. Mm -hmm. I think that's where it should be left. And I think anybody coming into this industry and the point about funding is 
if somebody's received funding for this course, are they really placing the value on it? And, and, and we'll just use an example around them. If somebody's got 1,500 quid's worth of funding to go on a course, are they going to put as much effort in as if they'd paid 1,500 quid out of their own pocket? Mm. And I don't think, you know, I don't think they do. Um, you know, it's the same with, um, in, in any industry, we'll look at the expo, you know, you have to pay to go to the expo. Some expo you don't have to pay to go to. So it's not a big problem if you don't turn up. You know, if, if you're not feeling on the day, you haven't made an investment in there, you're not using your own money. So, so yeah, I'll just reiterate, I think that further education is particularly well suited to 16 to 19 year olds and a little bit of, you know, adult education for those people who, who perhaps want to pursue it as a hobby, but not as a career. Mm-hmm. Jack, Jai, Jay, sorry, Julie. Um, how was it for you in terms of monetary um kind of investment when you were considering making choices you did did you have to or don't not literally big ball steel but was it a, 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 a factor which made you have to think and have a few sleepless nights about whether you're going to invest in it or um a little bit um i kind of by the time i'd experienced the 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 world i was in the personal training world i was ready to to make a a jump in a direction to help excel it um i I knew I didn't really enjoy the the type of people I was seeing. Um, it was just kind of a bit tedious. So I knew I wanted to explore something new. So I knew there was going to have to be some form of investment somewhere. Um, uh, I don't know the current payment plan options that, that Mike's got available, whether it's changed, but I, um, I did a direct debit for... So I paid a deposit and then did a direct debit, which made it obviously a bit more manageable um, and kind of made it a bit more like a like a business thing, like almost like rent. Um, so I was then able to go, right, well, if I'm working at the clinic, I need to see X amount of people to cover the course cost um, and then earn more to, to have a bit of profit. Um, so um, I was fortunate enough as well to be in the kind of curve when Mike was experimenting with a few different locations um like we i think there was a f- couple clinics opened up so i was able to gather some clients from areas surrounding harborn and then kind of once we decided that wasn't really the clinic progression and to bring it all back to one space i was able to bring those people with me um so it, it kind of at the start was definitely yeah like a bit of a like a well that's you know gonna be scary but it was yeah like like gary said it's it make it made the value of the course higher and greater, meaning I, I kind of got more from it, um, and I wasn't yeah. let down or disappointed. So, um, yeah, that's good to hear. I like I like the comparison you've made of like paying it in installments, kind of introduces you to what you might have to do in a business, you know, scenario anyway. So it's kind of a responsible thing to do. Jay, for you, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, obviously, um, when I went my like obviously the cost was a bit of a stumbling block. And worst of all, like obviously, I was working part time at Tesco, but I took a risk and gave my notice in to join Mike's team as self-employed. So, and then you have to like kind of work out like how how many patients you're going to see to try and pay some of that money back. But then, because I went to uni as well, the undergrad that kind of helped with the student loan, so I could okay. like pay the rest of that. But see, when you leave a job, which is like a part time job, to become full like self-employed, that's see, which you got to take, but it worked out well but yeah it's not a easy decision to make mm. and for you julie 
Yeah, of course, it is a big consideration because, um, you know, I was qualified. I'm fortunate enough to have a client base, but it was for my own personal learning. And Mike was kind enough to agree that I could um, pay over three years. And that worked well for me. So, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it absolutely was consideration. But I think compared to the cost of a one-year degree, which I'm thinking is around £10,000, maybe 30000 in total, actually Mike's course is, is a bargain. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and he's put the prices up. Exactly, yeah, don't say it too much. <laughs> <Only for jewelry. laughs> Obviously, total transparency. Mike's sitting there on the, on the screen. If he's in the podcast, this look of horror on his face. Mike, oh my god! I hope they don't mention how much they pay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, it's Matt. All, yeah, th- there's an interesting discussion, Catherine and Nikki. I was trying to read uh, it, Catherine, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Catherine, put it, do you want to put it up? Yeah, yeah. Let's put it up on here. Is it? I mainly get people from PT Diplomas. It start there, was it? Uh, just a little bit before that, there was one where she's trying to change the. Uh, standardise the SMT level three. But while you're finding that, then speaking to Matt Scar's book, is that the one? Um, I spoke to Matt Scar's book. Yeah, yes, that's the one. Yeah, okay. Just bring it out for people who love a visual. So, Catherine, hey, Catherine says I spoke to Matt Scar's book at Therapy Expo. Sorry about that. Um, to see whether it would be worth discussing the additional work not required by awarding bodies. Um, I'm interested in trying to standardise the level three SMT. Um, well, I mean, just just from my perspective, then, um, Catherine, and, and you and I and Nikki and probably Matt can can organise a, a chat because we've worked in further education. You know, whilst it's with the best will in the world, you know, as, as a tutor, we are trying to raise standards. Uh, we're trying to raise standards from a particularly low point. And one of the fears that I have is that if we give somebody too much information, outside of the requirement of the awarding organization how do they stand legally if if you've shown them an extra modality as an example they administer that modality um worst case scenario you're standing in front of a, of a judge in a court of law and saying yes well i did this modality it was taught to me by my tutor if that's outside of the qualification then it's not part of your insurance remit so scope of practice is really important and and we can discuss this you know as i said via a private chat but what are your thoughts on that mike yeah um we were chatting about this earlier weren't we with the because um there's there's quite a few negative comments about the level three course and the level five um uh occupational standards but um i've i made a comment the, a few weeks ago on a on a facebook um post that actually if you look at the standards they're not too bad um and it's the it's the interpretation of those standards so uh for example in the level three course there's a there's a whole unit on soft tissue dysfunction so you can have a really good you can have a really good open discussion about um well what the what is soft tissue dysfunction because years ago when i first taught it um fe um it was all to do with postural analysis and that and that's how we delivered that particular module and now we deliver it with an updated narrative so it's exactly the same syllabus it's exactly the same occupational standards but now the guys that we're delivering it to they uh, they have a different thought process and we and we tell them as well that 
you will meet challenges with this thought process because a lot of people have been have been taught this way and we, and we tell them about the uh, the old narratives as well so um in terms of um scope um yeah i think um uh i th- with certainly with what we deliver i don't i don't think we would um be accused of delivering anything outside of their their scope um i think it's a, it's an interpretation of the uh of the current syllabus and it's an updated interpretation I, that that's what i would argue I mean, in context, then, just for anybody who's listening or watching who doesn't, who's not aware, the National Occupational Competency Standards, the NOS, which are held by the Sector Skills Council, they don't have a, a numerical value, you know, attached to them at all. They're just occupational competencies, which were set as a result of a two-year consultation in 2007-2008, introduced in 2009 with a five-year lifespan, expired in 2014. And currently, for the sports therapy, there's been no will of the industry to change those. So we are, unfortunately, left with some outdated electrical modalities in there. But as Mike said, the standards are are pretty good standards. Uh, What we have to do is, you know, the interpretation and the teaching of them has to be done in a way that reflects modern narratives and thinking. Mm -hmm. So uh, an example is, is electrotherapy, which, you know, 2007 2008 we had different ideas about what electrotherapy did than we do now so the way that we would teach that is to is to demonstrate that you know this is what we thought in 2007 2008 when these competencies were were finalized however reflecting on that now we are finding that the evidence base is is at best sketchy for the for for them all Mm -hmm. and some of them you know (laughs) went out in the in the 80s mike and i had a, a conversation about this uh, you know a, a couple of years ago but um you know we can't change the the competencies without a, an industry-wide consultation you know there was there have been changed in sports massage and that was as a result of a non-industry-wide consultation during covid um which are, you know i've got my own opinion on that but i think that if we are going to be involved in it, all of the stakeholders have to be involved mm-hmm. educators have to be involved industry has to be involved and employers have to be involved because their occupational competencies you know we are in fact training people to be incompetent in the industry you know to, we're training people and producing level three therapists with the best will in the world you know who haven't got a job because all they can do is administer sports massage techniques in pre post interim and uh, maintenance massage mm-hmm. hardly anybody goes for a maintenance massage these days it's always as a result of oh, i've got a calf niggle i've got a, some lower back pain etc so you know, we, we do need to change. Brian's put in there that, you know, we need some, you know, some new awarding bodies. Um, I, I think that's right. Um, I can't say too much at the moment, but I do believe something is happening along those lines. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's a difficult situation we are in. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, let's let's be honest. You know, if somebody's got a course and they seek accreditation, the accreditation is only to add value to the course. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a commercially driven enterprise. So somebody could pay me five hundred pounds to accredit a course. I would get a benefit of five hundred pounds for the STA, and I would accredit a course. But my argument is, if I'm not occupationally competent to accredit a dry needling or a osteopathic techniques course, then why should I accredit it? Because that's unsafe. 
-hmm. So accreditation to me is again, again, commercially driven. And I don't think it, it adds anything to the value of the course apart from the marketing of it. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Yeah. I'd, it'd, be inter um, it'd be interesting to hear from you, Jay, because obviously you're, you're doing physio now. Um, and, yeah. um, uh, how did, um, it's a bit of a loaded question, I guess. Uh, but how did the things that we we did on on the diploma help you now in physio, especially with the narratives that that we use? Have you noticed any difference with you compared to some of the other guys that maybe have gone through a different route? I think yes, it helped prepare like to challenge the lecturers because some of the stuff we do in the pre-reg are a bit outdated. There's like we mentioned like lecture therapy things like that, so we can like challenge a lecturer because obviously we guys who do the that evidence-based stuff so it's like help prepare for that but be okay are the lectures prepared well? for that it's not just uh, jay how's that um, how does that come across if you do challenge your lecturer do they get a bit shirty are they not expecting that or is it welcomed um, i think with the lectures because we've got a mixed range so we have some who've been there for like years plus and some who are like more recent so we've got a fine balance but it's more for the senior guys who've been there for quite a while because they're in their own ways like so i don't think they really like it but they can understand that times have changed so mm. yeah but that can be a problem as well can't it yeah. because i mean i know i remember even like jack chu who some of you probably know and saw at therapy expo i remember he when he was first at university um he who would have thought was quite challenging um, mouth of the man north yeah he was like and and he was getting to trouble for it he one of his teachers at where was he in uh nottingham i think was um what's the name of the guy i can't remember now roger oh, roger, roger, roger cook not um kerry kerry roger kerry yeah, yeah. so and, and and jack's talked to me and roger as well about times where it was like jack almost getting the cane kind of metaphorically because he was just jumping to saying what are you talking about that's not even physiologically possible and and since then Rogers said kind of okay now I appreciate what you were saying was kind of had a point but at the time it was just getting Jack blacklisted so I wonder whether people like Jay could actually find problems at university if they kind of know too much I think that's changed yeah I think that's changed Matt because I I I had the cane on a couple of occasions <laughs> oh no it was um, only a metaphor I remember I had the cane yeah, as well yeah, I, so. well mine was as well but but yeah by challenging you know information that you you know you think is incorrect and, and and on one academic course that i was on you know somebody the lecturer stood up and says you know just for the record i don't do mistakes yeah. and, and i pointed out well the, the, his assistant obviously had got the the images of positive and negative skew wrong on the research methods uh, paperwork mm. um yeah and I, I got the metaphorical cane for that I remember I got, I mean, I remember, okay, it was a couple of years ago. Things might have changed. Actually, it's probably three years ago. But I got an email from a first-year physio student who was sending me a question. They'd run, they'd read some stuff I'd put about um, static stretching and stuff on OneChat Live. And they'd send me saying, oh, I've got this um, first kind of this assignment I've got to do for my, for my tutor. Um, and they set this scenario where you notice your football team is suffering a lot of injuries. Please devise them a stretching program to deal with this. And, and they were approaching me saying, is this a trick question, Matt? Do I say, ah, I see what you're doing here. And I said, what year are you in? And they said, well, first year, I said, no, no, no. Just put them through the hamstring stretches and the quad stretches. That's all they're after, probably. Because otherwise, you could mention maybe 
something about maybe there's other things we put into place to reduce the risk of injury. But and and as far as I know, they got back to me and, and uh, well, yeah, they said I just did the normal thing, which is suggested, Matt, and that's and I got like an A or something for it. All they wanted was quad stretches and hamstring stretches to prevent injury in football, you know. And this was okay, it was three years ago, but. If they just started going down the route of, well, according to the research, it shows that static stretching is blah, blah, at the best does nothing and blah, blah, blah. Then probably their tutor would have gone, what are you talking about? What have you been talking to? I would have loved a student to do that. Yeah, you would have done. Because, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but I wonder at universities, I just imagine Jay up there kind of, you know, giving it some Mike Grice pearls of wisdom and then going, Jay, we'll see you after us, mate. Okay. Funny enough, I, I um, had my final meeting with um, just before I qualified as an osteo. And uh, they said in year two, we were re- really worried about you. <laughs> really? And no one ever told me. <laughs> what because you were challenging stuff or? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh yeah and it, it was around that time actually i just thought i've just got to keep my head down and just get through and um uh yeah and then i can do whatever i need and that <clears throat> that's one of the things actually because I, I was saying this to julie because we we did a session last thursday i've created resources that i wanted so um uh, there, there were lots of things that we needed to do on a clinical exam. And uh, for, I mean, God, uh, people who know me, they know I, I do remember lots of anatomy, but everything else I, I just just goes out of my head. So um, if um, uh, if there's certain things that come into clinic, I, I know the most important things to check. And if I if I didn't have it written down in a checklist, it's not that I wouldn't know how to do it, it's that I would have forgotten to do the assessment. So I've created the resources, which is basically like the safety net stuff that I was talking about last year. It's a safety net to make sure you don't miss anything. And um, and I really needed that as a student, and especially in my second year, third year, as I got into my fourth, fifth, probably not so much because you get used to asking the questions. But at the beginning, you need a framework and um and uh, well hopefully you you found that found that useful as as you've gone through um but uh yeah that, that i've kind of built the course for what i i would have wanted <laughs> that's uh, uh that that's the kind of way that i framed it and um yeah where where there were um areas that where i could see were really good i've i've taken those ideas and areas where i thought they needed improving then i've written a written a module for it it's it's interesting that this challenging your tutors come up because Jack and I were part of a panel at Therapy Expo where this question came up. We were discussing, you know, how to choose CPD and, and, and its perceived value. Um, and uh, Becky Horton was on there as a tutor and she said she would love people to, to actually say, you know, to challenge her basically. And, and, and Jack gave some instances where and where he'd challenged some information, but there's a certain way of doing it. You know, there's a certain way of being diplomatic in questioning some information that you're given rather than just, you know, throwing your toys out the pram and slamming the door on your way out and saying you don't believe it. So, you know, as educators, you know, we are only going to get better if we are challenged on the information that we give. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's um, really important. I only refers back to one instance where I've had to um, kind of wait my moment to, to bring it up and... I, I gave them uh not not I gave them some points that I I disagreed with on it. It was on a back pain rehabilitation module. Um, 
in which there was just a complete avoidance of flexion narrative. Um, and uh, there was no context um, and there was no ability to gain context either. So there was just avoid flexion. And um, I kind of kept biting my tongue, waiting for the right kind of moment to pull the lecturer aside and kind of have a bit of a conversation. And um, it ended up kind of coming to the end of the lecture and it was in front of everybody. But at the actual, <laughs> once, everyone, once, everyone had, once everyone had left and we kind of carried on the conversation, he actually ended up kind of agreeing with the points I was making, but the reason and the rationale as to why that was the narrative was to, because it wasn't really understood to a point of the level of the year I was in. Mm. So, um, uh, and nor it was, it was kind of like, well, if you've got 30 students and you tell them, well, it's a safe to, you know, like I think we were talking about earlier in terms of like, uh, if you give the wrong modality and someone, someone applies it um it's kind of like it was kind of that scenario so um there was kind of this narrative avoid flexion avoid flexion because it's safer on the lecturer's part to say that as opposed to flex and you can you can do whatever you want there's no technique or anything to it and a lack of context and then someone gets injured and it's oh well my lecturer said everyone can flex their spine i don't know why you've gotten injured yeah. Um, so it was kind of like an eye-opening conversation to have with the lecturer that he had the same understanding that I had um, on this topic. But instead of actually kind of, like you said earlier, bending the syllabus to create 30 potential better students, it was kind of put to the wayside and he was happy to weigh off this old... As, as you were having that... As you were having that discussion with the lecturer then, did you see the penny drop moment for him or her when you were discussing this? Because I guarantee that he will deliver that session in a different way now. Yeah, yeah. I think, again, it was just, it was bringing the whole context into it because I, I, I can sit there and say, oh, well, it's safe to flex, it's safe to flex, but it isn't for some people. So there was a, once I kind of delved into some context, um, there was kind of a, a stumble in response to where there isn't an, there isn't an, uh, um, a, a logical comeback to it, I guess. And I don't want to make that sound like it's, you know, it's, it's proven it's, it's, you know, it's absolute, it's, you know, clearly it's not, but there, there was just so, so much lack, lack of context in that particular lecture. And the, the reason why this particular one got, got me to the point where I wanted to mention something was the whole injury prevention model. We were kind of going through body parts and typical injuries we see within that body part. And it was kind of like, um, it was, it was kind of like, uh, images that were on the screen in the, in the presentations of people hurting their knee and just, it was just a guy holding their knee. And there was videos of people doing their ACLs in football and things like that. And same for the shoulder and all, all this sorts of things. But when we did the spine one, there was no, um, video or picture of someone with an actual injured back there was a load of videos of people deadlifting with flex spines but none of them got injured mm. so it kind of again it was bringing in the whole topic of context into the into the talk and i think once i did that he was kind of like um yeah i guess um maybe we should need to talk about just that context matters when it comes to injuries mm -hmm. um and um, sports, different sports. I was like, again, if you look at, I think one of the examples I gave was if you look at the um, flex position of a, a martial artist trying to 
flex down and pick someone up to do a shoulder toss or something. Like, why aren't these pictures in there of like people excelling in sporting in that flex position um, rather than showing someone in their living room deadlifting way more than they should be with unsafe technique? Like, that's not really the context that we're going to be experiencing anyway. We're more or less going to be dealing with people that need to build capacity there. So, um, yeah. But it was that conversation afterwards that kind of struck home that, well, maybe uh, maybe we should talk about context a bit more at level five. It's very tricky, though. I mean, it's so difficult to be a tutor because you've got 30 people in the room. You've got five people in the room. You're not going to be able to deliver the message in one way which is suitable for all those five people. Mm-hmm. And yet you've got an hour or an hour and a half or something to deliver a message. And all of those people are going to need it slightly different because you, for example, are ready to understand the context. You're at a different stage of learning than than other people in there who just need it black and white. Mm-hmm. Remember, we had an episode with Mike Stewart, No Pain Mike, once who who's fantastic. Um, I mean, his masters and everything is in education. He was talking us through the different stages of learning and how initially it needs to be black and white. For, for us to take it on a bit like kids don't do that santa claus exists and and you can't start going down well it depends on how you look at it what is santa what do we mean by santa you, you can't do that it's got to be yes santa claus exists and if you don't go to sleep you're not getting any presents and then away with a lot of students it needs to be that way it's got to be black and white or they can't learn it and then the next stage of learning is to start putting a little bit of gray in and then you go and that's i think that's I often wonder with this level three, four and five how much that needs to be a factor because if you start putting too much gray in at three a lot of your students who aren't Jack are going to suffer and they're not going to get it and they're not going to continue. It's tricky. Very hard. Well, similar to that conversation you were having earlier about um, funding. Cause th- th- I mean, as someone that's in, you know, I'm, I'm in a Christmas break now, but um, that's very much in the world of heavy lecturers, uh, lectures, sorry, not lecturers. Um, it's obvious that there's some people that have seen it as an investment rather than, oh, it's just a natural progression to get funding. So there's there's definitely a, a gap of people that, um, of students, sorry, that um, would, would even, if again, the context was a bit more complex, if the conversation was a bit more complex to the point where you need to be open and ready to learn that sort of stuff, that um, I don't think there's a lot of higher education students. I think I, I'm definitely in the minority and there's a, there's a couple other on my course, which do it. Um, but I think that's through doing something like Mike's course first, um, has allowed me to kind of, I know, make, make, make the most of the degree. Cause I, I feel like if you just go through the degree at face value without challenging your lecturers and without feeling like there was areas which you disagreed with, um, and you've kind of had the tools to look at why, um, that may not be the case. Um, but yeah, I think what you were saying, Gary, about there being kind of higher education for six, uh, was it 18 to, uh, sorry, 17, 18, 17 to 19 or something. Yeah. Um, you know, there's definitely like the 17 to 19 kind of straight from college. And I don't know if it's just cause I'm on a sports course. I've got a lot of bravado students that just don't really, that didn't really know what they wanted to do. So they just did sport. Um, there's definitely a few of them, but there's there's a big gap. I would argue, I, I would kind of argue that, you know, if, if we're talking about higher level intellectual thinking, then those 16 to 19 year olds are not, in all cases, equipped for that. So the level three, you know, it might be appropriate, as is delivered at the moment, to those 16 to 19 year olds to be black and white. 
and then what we should do i suppose in our industry which is has a remedial intent if you like is to is to start introducing those those higher level um sort of thinking tasks rather than burden the 16 to 19 year olds at the moment because when i was 16 to 19 i was i was in the forces but i wasn't equipped to, to do anything other than do what i was told yeah i don't know i don't know i'm 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 i'm, I'm clenching here a little bit on my wooden seat because i get a lot of 16 to 19 year olds who i can see there's a spark in there where they're ready unfortunately a lot of them if they kind of talk out they're put on the spectrum they're told they've got adhd or autism or, or something is because they're not fitting the mainstream thing and they're kind of like no they, they know too much but i say that flippantly but there are 16 to 19 year olds who are ahead of their time and it seems a shame a lot of them don't hit that spot because they are treated like the rest and you know kind of it's tricky just to say there's adults who aren't ready for that higher level of education just because they're kind of 40 50 they're at that stage where they do need black and white whereas there's others maybe through life experience whatever where they can take a bit more it's hard to be a tutor it's really tricky Mm -hmm. Um, that reinforces what mike stewart was saying though about you know changing tack for you know for your cohort if you've got if you've got 30 30 students you know in your cohort it's very very difficult Mm -hmm. and and you you have to teach to the middle ground yeah yeah. some people will be left short and some people will be left unchallenged Uh, but you know the skill of an educator is to is to deliver the content at the level for the person in front of them it's the same as we do we treat the person in front of us we teach the person in front of us and it's very hard when you're in a you know in a big cohort establishment to do that yeah a bit well i was chatting about this the other day we did we kind of highlight um green amber red zones within the lecture so green you have to know this um amber if you want to be good then you need to know this red is if you're bored and you and you love this subject have a look at this because the, this nice. is like next level stuff and um and i kind of um split things out like that so that this is a bit of a red zone activity um and uh, it might be a task that they would do either in their own time or or maybe as a as part of the group and see where they go but green you've got to know this stuff so f- definitely focus on this and um and that that seems to work quite well um you saw up on my screen earlier matt that had the cranial nerves yeah uh, just zipping across and and we we use that in the cranial nerve so um because we, we teach neurological testing so uh, mm. we're saying look you need to know that there are cranial nerves they're peripheral nerves like anywhere else in the body and they provide sensation to the skin and um, motor control of the muscles in your head and face and neck that's green knowing where they go and which ones do what that that's amber and then knowing exactly what they do and uh, um the the processes that you that they each of them go through that will be a red zone thing so um just being aware of them you definitely need to know that so it's uh, and we we try and split it like that, really. We especially with quite complex um, subjects. I quite like that. I like the way that it goes from green amber to red because normally kids at school have problems. They used to being have red against their name the whole time. This person's not going to pass. But the way you've done it is like green. If someone's not interested in the red stuff, they're not going to go. Oh, I need to get there. That's the bright light. It's not the white. It's yeah. like I oh, know red. I don't need it. It's a stop sign. I'm going to be yeah. green. You know, it's, it's nice. I like that. I might use that myself. You haven't painted it or anything yet. It's not like a moving for <laughs> education copyright now. <laughs> Listen, right. Okay. It's 9.09. So we've gone over time. Um, so 
Gary, have you got any other questions for Mike? Is there anything we kind of missed or you wanted to get out there? No, I'm, I'm happy, Matt. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we could go on talking about it for ages, but um, yeah, it's uh, 9.09. I'm sure you guys got something to do and people are still with us, actually. Numbers haven't gone down, so well done, guys. We've kept their attention. I was going to say, we've got some good conversations yeah, going yeah, on. It's, it's Although stimulated I it. my eyesight's really bad. I can't really... <laughs> it's <laughs> age, isn't it? You can't be in the industry for 20 years and still have perfect eyesight. <laughs> what you're saying, Mike, is there's lots of words happening. Yeah. <laughs> you just can't yeah. That's red zone. Yeah. yeah well, what, what I would say then is for Catherine and to, for, to Nikki, if you want to continue this uh, this conversation um with with any of us then you know i can set up a zoom call at you know mutually convenient time because i think you know we we as educators we do need to get it right mm-hmm. you know and and we do want to strive for doing our best for the students and not get drawn into that everybody must pass so we get next year's funding you know we've got to be we've got to be better than we are Nikki Mansfield in the live lounge said, I don't want this to end. It's so repeated. It was interesting. Don't worry, Nikki, because we're going to kind of be continuing this conversation and maybe repeating some stuff and expanding stuff next week with Anna Maria Mazzieri and a sample of her students from the ST school in Bristol and Exeter. So I'm sure a lot of we talk about will be repeated, hopefully with a slightly different lens. Well, it will be knowing Anna Maria Mazzieri. It'll be <laughs> a different lens. But yeah, so the conversation will continue next week. A lot of hand gestures. Definitely want to watch on YouTube. Um, it will be interesting. Yeah, come along uh, next Thursday, next Tuesday, next Thursday, next Tuesday on the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel if you want to join it live. Um, Jack Woolhouse, you on social media? If people want to interact with you and kind of like what you yeah, said. But yeah, but it's nothing but mountain biking, to be honest. Yeah, I, I had a I had a business Instagram and then it kind of just veered into just random posts that I wasn't consistent enough with it and then it just became mountain biking. So um, be around if people I'll, like the sound of that, they might just yeah. like. What then it's talking. just yeah, then it's just just my name. I, I occasionally upload some fancy metrics on velocity and my training, but go. other than yeah. that, I'm not really. Uh, other than that, I'm not really engaging on it. It's all random. I mean, there, there will be an audience for that. There's an audience for everybody. So that would be Jack Woolhouse Instagram. Uh, J- Jay, are you active at all on social media? People want to yeah, follow got, you or get in contact with you? Yeah, I've got the whole shebang. So I've got Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. um, do you want me to type it in the chat? That might help. You could do it or email it to yeah. me and I'll make sure it go in the show yeah. notes. So you've got Twitter and you've got and, Tinder and TikTok and yeah. all sorts yeah. of things. Just share them with LinkedIn. me afterwards. We'll put even LinkedIn. Wow. Jay, Jay is a master retweeter. If you copy Jay into anything on Twitter, he will retweet it. Yeah. Fantastic. Does he read it first? <laughs> and Julie, how active are you? I'm not saying you should be, by the way. Please don't take this as a everyone get on social media. I admire no. you if you're not. But Julie, are you active at all? I'm, no, I'm not active on social media, no. just personal. It's personal, okay. not work-based. Do you have a business website or anything? Yeah, I've got a business website, which is extrasportsmassage.co.uk. And anyone could, yeah, you can contact me through that. And if anyone wants any advice on, like, Mike's courses, you know, or, you know, interested, um, feel free to message me. It's not a problem. I'll always get back to you. That's lovely. Yeah, and anyone that's out there struggling with the uh, research methods, uh, I've got loads loads of good software that has made made my degree very easy um, in terms of research. So... Um, And for Mike, I'm just going to put a screenshot here of the website up here. Um, 
let's just put that on full screen so yeah if you head along well no i won't give you the whole address it's it's, it's an amazingly effective web address but not one you ever remember <laughs> oh, is it? you yeah, just the, type the, in movement therapy clinics yeah mte.education is uh is the best one yeah yeah but everything seems to lead you as well so it's pretty effective what you've done whatever you oh, type okay. in you'll end up there but if you get through to the movement therapy <laughs> education website i tend to put that in google and it's there then you'll see a huge amount of information all the different diplomas and courses at the moment, we're looking at on YouTube and there's the movement therapy diploma. You've got the level three sports massage, um, anatomy labs workshop. We haven't even talked about anatomy yet, but um, some amazing um, anatomy workshops. The DNM, which is another episode of uh, Sports Therapy Association podcast. If you want to listen to that, Diane Jacobs, Dermo Neuromodulation courses, exclusively still by... Um, yeah. I think you've still got the exclusive deal on that. Yeah, well, the, Diane's pretty, uh, it's an open source thing, but we've, uh, yeah, we've kind of been running with it in the UK. Yeah. So trust it with you, which is fantastic. Um, and then we've also got uh, various online education. We've got the whole rock tape and rock blade stuff, um, loads of stuff on there. So very excellent website to have a look at. Just type movement therapy education in Google or what did you say? MTE.com or MTE? MTE.education. MTE.education. Fantastic. Um, definitely recommend you have a little listen to that. Right, gang, that's it. We're way over time. But um, thank you again, Jay and Julie and Jack, for joining us. And Gary, as always. And Mike, thanks, thanks for, yeah, thanks for moving therapy education. No, no worries. Um, thank you for having us. It's been brilliant. Yeah been an absolute pleasure um like i say we'll be back next week guys um if you're listening to the podcast and please please do us the favor of leaving a rating or review if you enjoyed it um because it just helps us appear more in google which is what it's all about we don't make any money out of this we're just trying to get the good word of our guests um in this case of mike rice out onto google more so yeah if you could leave a rating that will help but if you want to join us live then like i say tuesday eight o'clock on the sports therapy association youtube channel that's it thanks people for joining us live as well in the live lounge we will see you next tuesday hopefully take care you're listening to the sports therapy association podcast putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy